Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about roleplayers. I'm Jess. And I'm Kevin. Every week we get together to talk about a range of gaming-related topics, from creating a character to running a game, and what it all means for the people who share our favorite hobby. We may not be experts, but we do have pleasant voices and a wealth of gaming experience that we're eager to share with you. Our topic today is kind of a broad thing. It's just stuff that we want to see more in games. But before we get into it, Kevin, this is your first time on the show. Yes, yes it is. Thanks, Would you Jeff. like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Oh, um, I'm a longtime role player from Indianapolis, Indiana. I play an exhaustive amount of Magic the Gathering. And I think there are some things I don't see enough of in role-playing games. Mostly campaigns, not in the games themselves. I think that is probably down to a lot of people kind of just constructing their games based on, you know, the stuff that they've seen before and the stuff they're familiar with, things that they're pretty sure they'll be able to pull off well. Yeah, I think you're right. Last episode, you guys talked a lot about settings historically that haven't been touched on very often or that we in our learnings haven't really come across in either a great deal or for a very long time, you know? Um, And I appreciate that kind of understanding that huge tracts of history are available to play with and help us get weird. And getting weird is what I think a lot of us are here to do. We want to embrace that strangeness. So before we started recording, you brought up a couple of things and I, I... One of them gripped me in a way that I don't think I've been gripped before. Yay! Wow, man, are you serious? I got a first-time experience before the show even started. I'm honored. Thank you, Jess. Well, you you said a happy little two-word phrase that got my mind just reeling, and that was moon games. Yeah, I like the moon. I mean, I feel like we know a lot about the moon already. Like, just last season... I don't know if you do any online shopping, but there was a nice plastic artificial moon, glows in the dark, came in like five different sizes, and I saw it basically on every Instagram page or, you know, every advertisement that came up. It seemed to be around. I don't know how many were sold. I don't know how many are sitting around in boxes somewhere, but humans' fascination with the moon still seems never-ending. Of course. But it's we don't a giant glowy rock in space. I've played some Warhammer 40k, so I know what an abundant amount of Xenos-infested planets of, I don't know, sulfuric magma and vast foliage and massive machine worlds are like. Um, But I know surprisingly little about the moon. So with the gravity, and honestly with our eye on Mars these days, do we bother building on the moon ever? That seems like a decent question we could roleplay through. What? Well, scientifically speaking, the the idea for getting to Mars is basically we'll start on the moon because it's going to be a lot easier to launch a long-range ship of some sort from the moon because of the lower gravity and really very little atmosphere to break out of. So, like, the idea of running a near-future sort of sci-fi campaign about a moon base is really exciting to me because that's something that we're going to be looking at in real life probably within our lifetimes man okay okay can you make me a promise then if we're both going to see this during our lifetimes and it's going to be new to both of us 
I, I will do my best. Thank you. I want to try and discourage any kind of mining on the moon, okay? It sounds oh. too valuable all of a sudden. See... There is an issue with that because oh. one of the one of the reasons that we'll go to the moon is because there is almost certainly a high quantity of helium three in the moon dust, and if we can refine that properly, it's going to be a fantastic uh, and very efficient and fairly lightweight rocket fuel. That sounds nice. Now, okay. in terms of mining for things like I don't know, like gold or platinum or whatever, gold emeralds. Moon um, emeralds. You know, alien fossils. Uh, as long as we're trying, to, like, not trying to mine the moon for oil, I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> Just no strip mining, okay? Ah, man, but that's my favorite kind of mining. Mars you is put bigger. on a little sexy music, and then it's like, ta-ta, ta-ta, ka-chinka with my pickaxe. I just created a character this morning with a primary weapon as a pickaxe. Pickaxes things I are... don't usually see in games. Exactly. I love me a good pickaxe. And one thing that we get a lot in like in the source material for Dungeons and Dragons, which I think is most people's most familiar system, you'll see a lot of like, oh yeah, goblins use pickaxes as their main weapons and like the whole war pick thing is a dwarven thing. But we don't tend to utilize that very much and I think it's largely because people try to play uh, mechanically sound? Well, sure, sure. Every player wants to maximize their damage potential. Why not? I'm going to blame storytellers on this one and a little bit of J.R. Tolkien because I think the prevalence of orcs and goblins um, in those stories kind of make some characters cliched to DMs and they would rather avoid the trope altogether, either in favor of telling a more creative story right out of the gate or to avoid, I guess, just the cliches of the cultures themselves. I've been caught in a campaign or two where, you know, surprise, goblins are stupid, and that's like the next 30 to 40 minutes. Do you guys like playing with what are essentially animals? Go for it. You accrue very little gold, and everything's made out of bones. So enjoy your possible diseases. And <laughs> Next session in two weeks. Yeah, no, I, I will say I have run... Uh, I think I mentioned it on the show before, my Goblin Court storyline. Nice! Which was, like, my way of kind of taking something that I don't really see very often, which is the idea of, like, playing a police procedural, but also Ooh. the idea <laughs> that goblins have actual society. Yeah! And I want to say that went pretty successfully. And it was a lot of fun for me, at least, as the DM. I bet it was. How many NPCs would you say you had involved in that little scheme? Uh, 11 to oh, 15, somewhere around there. That's so cool. <laughs> but, like, I, I always load in way more NPCs than are actually practical. I really appreciate it. Do you ever find that, um, like, in the beginning of the campaign, planning them out is kind of a pain in the ass? Do they ever get hard to juggle, or is it pretty easy? I mean, yeah, it can get a little bit tricky when I'm, like, neck deep in characters <laughs> and I'm trying to remember which one is relevant to each particular moment mm -hmm. but I think that's part of the fun of it <laughs> for you anyway I bet yeah well it's yeah. To have a challenge stress as a DM you know you're gonna grow from it exactly even better next time all right so we've we've talked about the moon and how we want more on the moon we've talked about pickaxes 
Yeah, you... see, no more mining on the moon. I told you it was going to come up. Okay. No more mining uh, on the moon. Okay. I own seven plots of land on the moon. Again, another non sequitur. But hey, if anyone would like to join me, um, I'm pretty sure there's a good chance no one will follow through on my request to make good on my claims. But I have the paperwork. You can still probably get it at wish.com. Yeah, supposedly that whole, like, I own a piece of the moon thing is um, completely illegal in terms of international law. Like, we're not supposed to be allowed to claim the moon. But I think that's mostly just because no one has been able to do it yet. Yeah, right? From what I was promised, it's like, uh, I don't know, seven acres. I don't know. Some farms are much, much bigger than seven acres on Earth. This is true. Maybe. And some are smaller. And if they build on the other side of the moon from my acres, what, what, I mean, I can't have a homestead on the moon. I can't sell moon milk out of my garage. Now, Probably not. We'll have pretty good regulation, I think, up there. You saying homestead just makes me think of home on the range. And now I'm thinking of where the moon deer and the moon antelope play. <laughs> hey, where... yeah, let's talk about that. Um, do you think it would be wise or what? kind of issues would we face trying to populate the moon with animals we'd almost exclusively have to use earthen animals you could design something in a lab God, well, okay, i think like i'm playing that campaign now you would almost have to like modify whatever livestock or fauna that you were going to bring up there because like there is going to be an intense amount of solar radiation that's just bombarding everything that's not constantly under a very particular kind of dome because the moon doesn't have an ozone to protect it from the same sort of solar winds that are blasting us all the time, but that our magnetic, uh, what you call, magnetosphere, I almost said magnetic sphere, like that's just what it's called, but it is actually a magnetosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that like, knocks a scale. say again? If we build on scale, still seems plausible, we could keep them all inside. Yeah, I think so. It's just a matter of... How do you uh, breed something that would be able to adjust to the lowered gravity and also still be In able to air, eat? Duh. Sorry, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, okay. No, that makes sense. A lot of moon livestock would be like modified birds. Because one thing that happens mm -hmm. when you're in lower gravity is your bones start to hollow out anyway. Yeah, and there's nothing to keep us from stacking meat on their bones so long as we keep the enzymes in their stomach regulated or at least familiar yeah i don't know free moon meat so now i'm just picturing like a moon colony that's just full of these weird probably giant chickens yeah huge massive i don't see anything to limit growth there's no <laughs> sorry besides the pen we're keeping them in obviously yeah hmm do you, okay do you think a creature like that would ever have the ability to breach the atmosphere and then did you, how long do you think they would have to quote unquote roam free before they developed, um, in, sorry, a resistance, I guess, to the suffocating vacuum of space, much like, uh, again, the Tyranids in Warhammer 40k. Hmm. A billion years? Do you have an evolutionary timeline that explains something so drastic? Okay. Well, kind of. I mean, all right. At this point, we're jumping into like science fantasy more than science fiction. But it is not completely crazy to think that within, honestly, like, three generations... Wow! Well, this is the way that genetic mutations work, you know? Like, Man. if something were to be born that could, like, walk out into space, 
<laughs> without immediately dying. Like, you walk out, mm -hmm. you roam around for a little bit, and you come what? back, and then you make some babies, and maybe, like, 25% of your babies will be able to do the same. But if wow. we find that super space chicken that can walk out, like, on the surface of the moon and not just freeze or suffocate to death, we're breeding the heck out of that thing. Space chickens, man. Okay, again, same with the mining. We should only breed to our needs. Whew, nah. Got me worried about the moon. <laughs> nah, we're going to overrun the moon with space chickens. Eventually. Yeah, see, okay, sounds like a good campaign. Or is well, it see, tacky? I don't know. I have never seen any of those things in campaign. That's for darn that's sure. That's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, this is making me think of, like, run a Monster Hunter-style game where you've got your moon base, mm -hmm. and inside the dome, everything is, like, fairly normal, but there are all of these, like, weirdly mutated, modified moon creatures that have grown up outside of the dome, so they're just... I mean, they're aliens at that point. They came from, like, oh. chickens and ducks and dogs and stuff, but See, now they're... Call them animals, depending on our or aliens, depending on our familiarity with them. Right, but how familiar is something that went from being like, oh yeah, this is my chicken rocket ship. <laughs> Good point. To like, yeah. oh yeah, that's the space chicken that ate <laughs> grandma last week. <laughs> oh, it's I'm truly, in... truly terrifying. I'm enamored with it, though. It's so good. I hope the players find it as charming as we do. I feel like with that, you would have to have a very particular player group who is willing to buy into the absurdity of it. Yeah, it's just the ticket price. That's the only objection you get from any classic role players. No, this idea sounds stupid. Well, yeah. but you'd play it. Oh my god, that reminds me of something that I want to bring up with you because I, I it's an interesting subject in general, mm -hmm. but a friend of mine put this post on the Book of Faces recently where he was basically talking about, like, going and trolling through the different tabletop role-playing, you know, forums and subreddits and whatnot. And a recurring theme that he was seeing is basically storytellers and GMs asking, like, hey, how do I handle my players, like, abandoning the story that I built mm. and going off to do their own thing? And the example that was given was, like, my players bought a tavern, and now all they want to do is sit around and, like, hang out with my NPCs and, like, try and make a million dollars. And his response was basically like, don't let them. Like, you came in with yeah. a story to tell and you should tell it. And I feel like my gut reaction is kind of to go to the opposite stance and be like, all right, no, let them do what they want, but build your story to work with that. Bad example, then, because I'm all for the good lead. You know, whatever they want to do, you just encourage them, and, and then you offer an alternative, sorry, that gives some clues, you know, that feeds the real a little bit. In this case, which seems like a really strange case to me, I'm all for money. You know, what adventuring group doesn't want to start with all the money they can, but, you know, even then, they'd be expecting... We'll roll some profession checks and we'll go five years into the future because I'm pretty sure that's how the rules kind of want you to play that scenario. Um, as far as, I'm sorry, I just want to say what I would do too and it's just because the last time I tried to get a new player into D&D &D 
we started at a tavern and it wasn't 15 seconds into the game before the tavern was on fire. Oh then, God. Of course, inevitable rubble. So I don't know. I also want to say, don't forget your tropes. You know, we're, it's all born of history. So, oh, you encounter a level one, no one in his panic. He set your bar on fire in the middle of the night. Turns out you forgot to look under that one table. Um, and some poor bandits, you know, victim lie unconscious there, dragged in in the middle of the night. Who knows? Um, so I don't really know how to lead it in. So say I have like a dragon plot and they're just doing this, this cute little Hamlet in money gathering thing. What am I supposed to do? I need an envoy, right? Or a whisper on the wind, both of which kind of tacky and disruptible. You can ignore a whisper on the wind. You could kill a messenger before the message is delivered. You know uh, what you can't ignore though? Hmm. The dragon flying over the town and burning down your tavern. Okay, see, I'm telling you, if it's a good idea, it's just a good idea. You gotta set it on fire. Yeah. No, I mean, like, when in doubt, burn it down. <laughs> when it comes to bad players? What are some other um, negative player aspects we can talk about? I kind of was thinking about bringing that to the table today. All right, all right. This is not something that I was uh, prepared to talk about. Negative player aspects, though, I guess I'm just gonna, like, I'm gonna try and touch on some things without trying to badmouth people I know because yeah. I'll try I, and pull the pieces too. I, I love everybody that I've played with generally speaking yeah same here anyone who's willing to participate you know it's all story craft and I couldn't do it without you well hey <laughs> no I'm, I'm just saying there are certain aspects of like you know people who it's not about ignoring the story it's people who push a against it i am a huge I, well i think i'm in the middle of being accused of exactly that from a current game i'm in um you know colin lamoth and you've seen me play a colin lamoth game before when i'm of not mopey i like to drive that story i like to be fucking front row sorry for the cursing um front row in the limelight doing all the things i ask a bunch of superfluous questions i interact with npcs in ways that make very little sense or seem important at all to the rest of the party just to hedge my bets against the dm's future concoctions mm -hmm. uh -huh, i gotcha um and that can be so grating for people i'm with a guy right now and i just know he does not feel at all like a hero in this campaign he's playing in because he's just not as vocal as me and you know how much i can talk this is evidence of it well yeah there is that and i do think you know, I, I am similar to you in that respect of, like, if I'm in a game, there is a solid chance that, one, I'm playing just, like, a high-charisma character, because those are the people who I like to play. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I'm doing that, there's a good chance I'm talking slightly more than mm -hmm. is technically my fair share. <laughs> sure, sure. And I, I can understand how that would be an annoying thing for a lot of players who really just want to, like, either get on with the game or do their own thing or talk yeah or who didn't show up to watch me do my thing for the whole night long yeah hmm. i've that's... never had a problem with um like loot sharing you know uh, i also haven't that's so cool maybe we grew out of it maybe the gauntlet style gameplay is no longer applicable in most D, &D campaigns you know, I think there are a lot of people out there for whom that is still the point. <laughs> but there is a there's a certain je ne sais quoi about that where I don't think people are really coming to the table, at least not with the sort of games that I run, with the sort of people that I play with, 
they're not coming to the table for the loot grinding experience because you can get that more uh you can get a more flashy version of that with video games oh sure okay well i've been playing a lot of skyrim so i think i know what that's like i've been enjoying my collecting yeah yeah and i think people go into games like you know skyrim or diablo or destiny or world of warcraft and if you want to accrue a lot of cool stuff you can accrue it more easily (laughs) and it's more recognizable and you can share it with people isn't that crazy? I completely disagree with the sharing it with people thing, and but it's so much more recognizable. I guess it kind of takes a lot of elbow grease sometimes. I feel like to make quest items important in a game. Yes, it definitely it definitely does. We can and call it, that a negative player attribute. Appreciate it, <laughs> even if it's just a toy. Use your toys. I don't know. Oh man, I can't tell you the number of like weird magical items that I have gathered, and you know it's it's the same thing like. Oh, well, I'm playing through Final Fantasy and I have 99 elixirs because I I never know when I'm going to need them, so I just don't use them. I was given, uh, in one of the campaigns that I play right now, I was given a magical item called a Chime of Opening. And it had six charges when I got it two years ago. And it has four charges left now. Cool. It's a super useful little tool, but I'm always like, Oh, no, I can't use it. What if I need it later? I don't want to make it go away. Hmm. Well, hey, sentimentality. That's a good counterpoint to mine. You know, I'm glad you have a special item. It doesn't seem like it's going to go anywhere. And it doesn't sound like... Is it really sitting next to 99 elixirs? No, not like... Inventory? (laughs) No, not in this game. But that's the way that I play video games, you know? Like, I'll I'll have... Yeah, I miss all of this stuff and I never use it. Yeah. That same mentality carries over to the tabletop games where I am if anything seems like it's not replaceable, I'm loath to actually use it. Hmm. But I think that really comes down to this mentality of wanting things to I guess last, if you know what I mean. Like, nope. I, I gotta I, say, it's all just power against the DM. You know, you're you're not gonna sit around and be heckled while everyone has to sit behind, you know, bars while you have your chime. And you know, it could come just around the corner, right? Do you have a pretty easy to read DM? Um. Well, sort of. I I'm pretty sure I know where she's going with things most of the time, but. Then she'll surprise me, like, every couple of sessions, something new and exciting and completely unforeseen happens, so. How about the level of danger? The threat level? Is you ever good the... feedback on it? Is it pretty consistent for you guys? Uh, for the most part, yes. It's It's the sort of story where, like, we're definitely the heroes of the story. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that bad things can't happen to us or the people around us. Oh, okay. So, but it sounds like, when was the last time you got your butt whooped? Character's butt whooped. Yeah, not too long ago. Oh, good. Okay. So things that are not missing in campaigns. Drama. Sounds like pacing. 
sentimentality that we could just equate to like spirit. Um, wow. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. <laughs> We've got role playing games out the wazoo. I was oh. on roll 20 this morning. I did not know there were so many games. I can't play all these games. <sighs> Honestly, I have at this point in my life at least dabbled with at least a dozen different systems. Probably more when it really gets down to it. And yet, my experience with like just a whole bunch of different games is so limited. Mm -hmm. It's why I always talk about like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or World of Darkness or Dread because that's what I've played the most of. But there's so much more out there. Like I want to get into a Warhammer game, not with the minis, but the the Warhammer role playing game. Mm -hmm. Because 40k has a lot of really interesting elements that I would like to explore more. I couldn't agree more. I've got a little bit of Warhammer experience, but I really kind of want to know what everybody else plays. I want to identify that small percentage of our listeners who play something we haven't, that we both haven't. I also definitely want to know about everything that other people are playing because like, that's part of why I, that's part of why we started this whole thing. You know, this whole podcast is all about connecting with people and figuring out what is going on out in the wide, wide world of, role-playing games so guys i want to encourage you if you can um to find us on tumblr or twitter or where else are we just are we we're on instagram yeah instagram twitter tumblr uh facebook that's our social media and it is pod or dodeca podcast on everything except for twitter where it's podcast dodeca should be easy enough to remember hopefully it's no secret yeah, no, that's that's honestly like the biggest thing is just, you know, hit us up, send us a message, tell us what you're playing, what you want to hear us talk about, because that's the other thing. Like, I will play and talk about any game as long as I know there are people out there who want to hear about it. I'm finding more and more people in my life who just want to play. That's fantastic. I know, right? <laughs> Never saw it coming. That's also one of the things that I have always wanted to talk about on this show, but we keep kind of just skirting the issue, is like, how do you find new players? Honestly, it's the, it's the women in my life. They bring people home from events. Um, that's it. That's the only way I meet good role players. I'm, and then they have friends, of course, so the, the bowl just fills from there. Um but yeah, inevitably, some important woman in my life will go make a friend, and then we will be role-playing not too many months later. That <laughs> is fly as hell. <laughs> Hashtag ladies who roleplay, we love you! Hell okay. yeah. Okay, so now, to make sure we get something that we don't know already, I'm just going to real quick, and if you'll join me, I'm going to name every game system I've ever played. It's a relatively short list. Go for it. All right, so don't send us, unless they're campaign ideas, um, anything for D&D 3.5, 5.0, GURPS, OVA, Mutants and Masterminds, White Wolf's World of Darkness, nearly all games. I will accept some mummy, um, some geist. That's, that's, I think, it. Um, Gosh, 
Man. Yeah, if real life counts, real life. But otherwise, I think I think that's it. I think that's all I've done. Yeah, I... See, I'm, I'm not going to say don't send us stuff about those games oh, yeah. if you play <laughs> them. But, like, if you want to hit games that we haven't played, the only stuff that I can really add to that list... And, like, I haven't played GURPS, and I played Mutants and Masterminds once. Uh, I cut my teeth on World of Darkness, old and new, a lot of Hunter. Not so much, like, Vampire or Werewolf for that stuff. I always liked the Mortals. Um, Me too. I like fragility in my enemies. It makes exactly. them so powerful. It's, it's really a more fun experience for me to go that route. But the only stuff that I can really add is, like, uh, Dread and Swords Without Master and the Dresden Files, which I've read through the role-playing books, but I have not actually ever played a campaign. Uh, the Fate system, I know a little bit, yeah. and a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse systems, but a lot of the settings change from game to game. Mm -hmm. uh, I am vaguely familiar with Legend of the Five Rings, or whatever that Legend system is actually called, but I've never played that one either. Really and... feeling some Iron Kingdoms over here? Or, you know... Which one is Iron Kingdoms? Uh, who, War Machine and Hordes. Okay. Dope. Yeah, I'd be kind of in the mood. For that. We were, yeah, last week it was alternative steampunks. Well, why not steampunks in a world where alligators cast magical spells and <laughs> giant dreadnoughts are powered by steam in order to fight, I don't know, pirates, trolls, really drunk trolls. And yeah, it sounds cute. It's all kind of built in there for you, so... Really colorful system. You can splay it in almost any direction. So long as it's ridiculous, I think it's probably in the rules. Somebody check it out for me. That sounds pretty fantastic. And I look forward to hearing about it more. Or, you know, if I get the chance, playing it. I know. Hey, do you have any free time? Uh... Hey, wait, 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 wait. No. We need our free time to take care of the podcast. And, like, every other life thing. <laughs> oh, gotta love it. But hey, yeah, uh, kind of a quick one this week. A little bit scatterbrained, but it's all good. It's almost Thanksgiving. So, yeah, like. Thanksgiving, everyone. Remember what you're thankful for. Yeah. I hope it hits you in the face around every corner. What, it, what you're thankful What if you're thankful for, like, your family? You want your family to hit you in your face? Don't you want your family all up in your face? No, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't you want to see your family, is what I meant. Charisma. I, yeah, I do, but 16? I'm... <sighs> but yeah. Bad player etiquette. <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. It's all good. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug before we before we bounce out? No, I don't think so. I appreciate the time, and thanks to everybody who listened. I'm excited to read your mail, and hopefully, if Jess will have me, I'll be on again, spouting some more nonsense. Absolutely. We we don't generally have guests on just once. That would be pretty weird. <laughs> so look forward to hearing from Kevin again before too long. And if you have something that you want to say to us or something that you want us to talk about, you can send us an email at dodecapodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the aforementioned social medias, which would be Twitter at Podcast Dodeca or Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook at Dodeca Podcast. And I think that's all that we have to say. So from all of us here at Dodecahedron, 
thank you for listening. We look forward to seeing you on our next adventure.